0: Welcome to the ESG Academy, where the Hogan Lovells team quickly but thoroughly shares critical insights on key ESG issues that in-house counsel need to know. Today's episode is about diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is a very nuanced subject, but one which all in-house counsel need to have on their radar screens. Your hosts, Bendita, Cynthia, Malakia, and Anvita Sharma will hit the highlights you need to know Bendita is our DC-based Global Head of Diversity and Inclusion, as well as a founding member of our Diversity, Equity, Justice and Inclusion client-facing practice. Amvita is a lawyer based in our London office, who advises on discrimination, harassment and bullying in the workplace, including allegations of race and sex discrimination and breach of equal pay legislation. Amvita also supports a number of international clients on global projects involving diversity data and objectives. Bendita and Anvita are talking about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and why getting this right is critical for businesses.
1: It's truly my pleasure to be here. Um, I'm Bendita Cynthia Malakia, and it's also my pleasure to share with you today that diversity, equity, and inclusion is business critical. Helping organizations secure and retain the best talent, connect with our customers and clients, develop the best products, and drive innovation. In addition to being an employer of choice, improving DEI mitigates the risk of litigation and adverse reputational consequences where issues are identified. The governance aspect has become more present as board diversity requirements are increasingly being instituted by organizations ranging from Goldman Sachs to the NASDAQ to the state of California. Today, we hope to discuss four areas that your business ought to be paying attention to to lay the foundation for being best in class in DNI. Those are... First, leveraging diversity information. Second, setting metrics. Third, ensuring robust processes to address grievances. And fourth, owning your own position. So, NVIDIA, it can be so challenging to understand who is in our organizations. And with increasing acceptance of variant gender identities and multiracial and multiethnic identities, we can't just tell who people are by looking at them. Can you share with us some of the nuances around diversity, equity, and inclusion data? Thank you, Bendita. It's it's
2: absolutely crucial um, when shaping your DEI priorities that you have accurate and as comprehensive data on your workforce as possible, because that will enable you to understand what your demographics are, um, whether there are certain groups of employees who are underrepresented at particular levels of your organisation, and any trends or patterns that you may need to address through targeted Initiatives or, or objectives. So, as part of this process, um, employees should be encouraged to self identify at the recruitment stage and throughout the life cycle of employment to ensure that your data is as up to date and accurate as possible. When collecting and processing this data, one important point to bear in mind is that there will be nuances in the types of data you can ask employees to disclose and the ways in which you can hold and process that data depending on the jurisdiction involved. Um, At Hogan Levels, we have an excellent international employment practice and data privacy practice, and we work together to assist clients navigate this landscape. I recently was helping a client who is... um, an international tech company based in the US with a global footprint. And they were very keen to collect data on their employees as to their gender, race and ethnicity and their locations around the world to help shape their DEI stress sheet. And we were able to help them um, leveraging our experience with understanding how they could collect that data and what type of Um, measures they'd need to put in place to ensure that they complied with best practice and legal requirements. So it's just something that's important to bear in mind, because it's not simply a case of, you know, you can compel employees to share this data, you need to really encourage them to voluntarily disclose this data. And I think an important point in, in order to encourage employees to voluntarily share data is to really put your money where your mouth is and show them what you're going to be using that data for and what types of objectives and um, metrics you're going to be setting for your business. And Bendita, I know you know lots
1: about this, so I'll hand over to you. Thanks, Invita. I do truly believe in taking a metrics-driven, people-centric approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we do know that what gets measured um, gets done, so it's critical to set metrics for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the same that you would do for any strategic priority. Um, for example, Hogan Levels has set published goals for women, racial, ethnic, minority, and LGBTQ plus partners based on our market positioning, the demographics of our pipeline inside and outside the organization, and the desires of who we want to be as a responsible business. Many clients I've worked with over the last few years are really interested in setting similar metrics for demographics, promotions, and leadership. Our sweet spot is working with our data privacy, investigations, and employment teams to make sure that we set goals seamlessly in a legally protected way. I'm proud of one multinational technology organization that I worked with that had a 25% increase over two years in intersectional women and leadership after working with them to set their accountability goals. Focusing them on where they wanted to go with a set number made a big difference in helping them make progress. Metrics help align organizational behavior through showcasing where they need to support their people. And working with clients, we have helped establish diversity metrics, hiring rules and promotions objectives, increased access to special projects, mentoring and sponsorship and other development programs, and facilitated pay equity reviews. It's important that once you set the published or internal metric, you align your systems and behaviors to achieve them. For example, I was working with the CEO and COO of a large global organization to set metrics, and that took us about six months, which I think was a tiring process for them. I strongly suggested that we then look at the systems that feed into those metrics but they felt that the achievement was in setting that number. I even suggested monthly follow-up with me to navigate challenges that might arise along the way. They declined, politely, and a year later, um, they took their measurement and they had slipped backwards. I reminded them that diversity doesn't just improve by desire alone. Intentionality is key, and setting a goal is useless without the infrastructure to achieve it. Once we started putting processes in place for hiring, retention, and advancement, um, that led to accountability, they were able to charge forward faster with those metrics as the North Star. And I'm, I'm proud to report that they are starting to see progress um, in alignment with those metrics. But even with goals and metrics, sometimes bad things happen in our organizations. Um, we are all fundamentally human. As an employment lawyer, Vita is well-versed in establishing processes and procedures to first and foremost support our people. But are also in alignment with best practices for organizations to protect themselves. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Anvita? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think the
2: important thing to bear in mind is all organizations are going to have DEI issues that they need to improve on. Um, And the good news is we've definitely seen an uptick in employees feeling empowered to report certain types of issues. So I, in my own practice, have seen an uptick in sexual harassment complaints being reported and investigated since the hashtag MeToo um, campaign. But the sad fact is, a lot of the times, um, employees are reluctant to report issues because they either don't have faith in the processes in, in an organisation, or they have some fear that, that reporting issues could lead to um, retaliatory conduct or them being held back in the organisation. So it's really important that you as an organisation take a good look at your grievance and escalation procedures and ensure that they are as robust as possible. It's not enough just to have a document which sets out your grievance policy or or a whistleblowing policy. You really need top down commitment to these processes and senior stakeholders should be aware of and supportive of these processes. One way to sort of encourage employees to report issues um, is to think about how you can make your processes as independent as possible. I've seen some clients who have um, used independent DEI ombudsman, so employees can, can feel a bit more comfortable with reporting issues to them. Um, at Hogan Lovells, we have what we call respect advocates, and they are um, employees dotted around the firm who you, know, you can go to and you can report any issues confidentially, around bullying or victimisation or harassment in the workplace. And having those types of independent processes in place will encourage um, employees to report any cultural issues or or other issues that that you really should be aware of. Now, the downside to that may be that you'll see an uptick in complaints, but long term, this will help you really understand what, what issues may be out there and Address them so that you can mitigate liabilities and exposure to claims in the long run, which is really important for us all, because fundamentally, as I said, DEI factors will affect your businesses too. And I think, Bendita, you you can speak to that a bit more.
1: I have the pleasure of working every day with our clients in partnership to both improve diversity, equity and inclusion at Hogan levels, but also to drive change in their businesses as well. And I just want to reiterate that diversity, equity and inclusion impacts your legal department too. Um, Often I hear from general counsel who regale me with stories of how diverse their departments are. But when I talk to underrepresented lawyers in their departments and across the industry, uh, those lawyers express a lot of the same concerns. That underrepresented lawyers may express in law firms. They, they don't have transparency on their career path and they may not necessarily know how they're doing. They may want additional feedback, coaching and mentoring. They may need some additional training um, in order uh, to get the natural training and advice that other people uh, get um, owing to uh, implicit bias. They don't understand why they're never assigned to the projects that land on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. And they may feel like there is diversity without equity or inclusion. As you continue to think about how you are holding your law firms to account um, with diversity data or partnering on programs, I would encourage you to also consider what the challenges of your own underrepresented people are and take specific measures to ensure their success. This is why we created a justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion practice. We saw the client need to combine best practice and diversity, equity, and inclusion with the backing of the best legal advice that's out there at the market here at Hogan Level.
0: Thanks so much to Bendita and Anvita for today's discussion. Visit our ESG site on hoganlevels.com for additional podcasts, videos, and resources, or download more episodes from the Apple Podcast app or the Google Podcast app for Android users.